In 1949, an international military, 45, an international military tribunal consisting of judges from the United States, Great Britain, France, and the Soviet Union gathered together at Nuremberg, Germany to bring to trial 24 leading Nazi officials for crimes against peace, war crimes, and crimes against humanity. These were some of the primary people responsible for the deaths of millions of innocent people, mostly Jews from Germany, Austria, and Poland. The guilt of these men was obvious. The evidence was piled up in concentration camps all over Northern Europe. It seemed so unthinkable that horrible, such horrific deeds could be committed by human minds and hands. But the millions of lives destroyed stood as evidence against the depravity of the human heart. So after a year of hearing testimony and weighing the evidence, the court issued its verdict, sentencing half of the men to death and prison for most of the others. It's hard to say, though, that justice was served. Twelve lives for millions? But what else could the judges do? They did everything they could do to bring justice within their power. But though things could have never been made completely right by them, the Nuremberg trials made an important statement that there is a higher authority than the greatest ruler in any land. And because of this higher authority, the God who made us, we all know what injustice looks like because he has placed his righteousness inside each one of us. Even if we suppress it, we know of its truth. And so what a travesty it would have been if those judges from the four allied nations had decided to let every one of those criminals go free. How reprehensible would it be for the judges, after a year of hearing testimonies and weighing the evidence, to say, you know, we spent this year together, and I can see that you're really sorrowful for your, your great misdeeds. I can see you feel the weight of what you've done, and you are so full of remorse. And because I'm a loving, forgiving judge, I'm just going to let you go free. That would be unthinkable. It would have been gross injustice. It would have been a mockery of every legal system on the planet. And further disgrace to the millions of victims. And God agrees with such a ridiculous notion that guilty criminals can just be set free. For he says in Proverbs 17 verse 15, He who justifies the wicked... And he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. A judge who sets a guilty person free, an obviously guilty person set free, or another judge who condemns an innocent man, both of them are an abomination to God. Deplorable. It's despicable. It's disgusting. And our internal sense of justice should agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly. And yet many people today 
and perhaps some of you in this room are banking your hopes of eternal life in heaven on God being an unjust judge. You believe that just because God is full of love and forgiveness, that on the day he calls you to make an account for your life, he should just set you free. But will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? If God is a good judge, he must punish sin wherever it is found, even if it is in us. And his justice will be swift and exact, and it will extend to far more than just what we've done, but even to what we think or say or desire. The greatest commandment from God is to love him with all your heart and soul and strength. And so the greatest sin that we can commit is to desire anything but him. To give our love and affection to anything else. And our lives are filled with evidence that he is not the desire of our hearts. And God will have none of that from his creatures. He will judge everyone according to every thought and word and deed and will not hold anyone guiltless who makes a mockery of his holiness. It would be, according to his own wisdom, an abomination to let us guilty sinners go free. But then what hope do we have? We know that the Bible is full of forgiveness and hope and anticipation for eternal life. So how do we get set free from this condemnation? If I know I'm guilty, what must I do then to inherit eternal life? This is why we gather on Good Friday. God sent his own son into the world that we might live through him. He did not even keep back his own son, but offered him for us all. The righteous for the condemned, the innocent in place of the guilty. Wait, wait a second. Isn't that exactly the opposite of the exact same abominable injustice coin? Isn't Jesus dying on a cross for our sins? Condemning the righteous? And setting free the guilty? God himself appears to be guilty of his greatest wisdom, breaking his greatest wisdom. This is an abomination, according to him. We would never dream of setting a guilty murderer free just because his brother stood up at his sentencing and said, I love my brother so much. I'll take his place and prison for the rest of my life so he can go free. That would be injustice. And now when we're at this place, when we finally get to this place of understanding our great guilt and God's perfect, holy righteousness, now we're ready to see the most glorious wisdom put on display before our eyes. That's what the entire Bible is all about, friends. Every text is trying to solve this problem. 
the book of Romans, the whole line of argumentation is how can God be just while condemning the only righteous man to ever live and set guilty sinners with mountains of sin accredited to their name? How can he set us free? So here's the reality of what took place that dark Friday 2,000 years ago. The sky darkened. The earth quaked. The righteous Son of God hung on a cross. A brutal instrument of torture designed by the Romans to stomp out every insurrection. And yet something incredibly mysterious and glorious, extraordinary happened in that moment. The Apostle Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul wrote again a little different language in Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. There was a great exchange that took place on that cross. In just a brief moment, the Father turned His face away from the Son because the one who hung there became a sinner on our behalf, bearing the awful wrath of God that we deserve. It was like our sin was sucked out of us and placed inside of Him. He did not hang there as an innocent man, unjustly punished, but as a vile sinner, bearing the wrath of God for every sin that His people committed. And in exchange, we get to receive His perfect righteousness. God doesn't just set guilty sinners free. He sets free those who are pure, holy, blameless, unblemished children of God. Because of this exchange, we are no longer under condemnation because of Christ bearing the awful weight of sin. He can forgive us and still be a just judge. God, in His infinite wisdom, found a way, made a way for us to be forgiven, for us to be set free, and for Him to still be consistent with His character, a wise, righteous judge. That, my friends, is amazing grace. That is infinite, manifold wisdom. That is a God who deserves all of our praise. Have you received that yet? That beautiful righteousness? Have your eyes been opened to see the glorious beauty of that wisdom? And will you spend your eternity praising Him for that wonderful work that Christ did on the cross? Friends, turn to Him today if you have not. Let's go to Him and thank thank Him for such wonderful goodness towards us. God, Who am I? Who are we that you would send your son and punish him? 
in place of us. We are nothing. He is infinitely beautiful in glory and we are filled with guilt and shame. We thank you that you, consistent with your great holy character, found a way to make us righteous and beautiful like your son. If there are any here today that don't know and delight in that truth, God, give them your spirit that they would be renewed, their eyes would be opened, and they would see that and live with amazing joy and peace forever and ever. Help us now to sing your praises. Give us life in your Son. Amen.